this session, I'm going to deliver a little bit around your own effectiveness and a little bit stuff around well-being. Now, just just because you're farmers, I thought I'd start with something a little bit cheesy. Just one for the dairy farmers there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk about a really bizarre book. Right, this book is called Rhinoceros Success by an American Californian author called Scott Alexander. Now, Scott is this wonderful, crazy, eccentric Californian guy. And in back in 1980, he wrote this book called Rhinoceros Success. Uh, and it's, it was aimed at motivating people. And as you can see, it's got large print, pictures of cows and rhinos in, and it's, it's popular American psychology. Why on earth am I telling you about it? It's because in the book, he talks about cows and rhinos. He alluded in my interview with him that, you know, ballpark, 97% of people tend to think and behave like cows. Mm -hmm. They hang around in a little herd of people just like them. Now, I'm sure you as farmers don't predominantly hang around with farmers. (laughs) Feeling awkward, yeah? (laughs) And the, the problem is that cows typically will stay within that herd and not step away from the herd and change for fear of ridicule or failure. He says, also, <laughs> the problem is that cows look over the fence and they go, I want to go there, I want to I want to be successful, I want to go there, I want to be the, I want to be that cow, I want to be the bull, that's what I want to be. And but they don't. They don't even try because of fear of isolation from the herd or ridicule or failure. Now, so what you're saying? Well, if 90%, 97% of us are doing that, that means there's only 3% of people watching and listening to this who are what I would call the drivers. Or as Paul, what personality style would that be? Possibly the visionary. Possibly yeah. the visionary. Mm-hmm. Now, these are rhinos, right? <laughs> these are rhinos. Rhinos are actually quite a nurturing creature. Elephants tread on things to get to where they want to go. Rhinos charge at goals. Land Rovers and sheep, but typically goals, you know, and but they are relentless in their focus on that goal. How many people do you know like that? Or let's work with what's true, because if if 3% of us are rhinos most of the time and 97% of us most of the time are doing the same things we've always done and getting the same results we've always got, which for cows is chew grass, moo, get milked. Right? How's it working getting milked? You try milking a rhino. <laughs> See how far you get. Um, <laughs> the truth here is that 97% of the time we choose. We choose our attitude. We choose our behaviours, our actions, our outcomes. We can even choose our feelings. And I'm going to show you how before anyone tries to shoot me down. The truth is that 3% of our time we have cow days. I'm not going to sit here and patronise anybody by saying, all you've got to do is think positive, everything's awesome. <laughs> no, that's not real, is it? I'm from Birmingham. We're quite negative, cynical people by, <laughs> by birth. And so I'm, not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a realist. Oh, God, I'm sounding like my dad now. <laughs> but I'm a realist, a pragmatist. So, statistically, three days in every hundred, some bad things are going to happen. Mm. People, animals might die machinery might break down you might have a problem on the farm one of your customers might renege on a deal it might be that you get ill it it could be that someone treads on your hamster it it doesn't matter what it is three days in every hundred typically bad things happen 
97% of the time, we can choose how we respond. Instead, what we tend to do, especially in the British culture, is we tend to err on the side of caution. I won't do that in case I fail or look stupid. So what I'll do is play safe. Therefore, we have 97 days of mediocrity. <laughs> so if 97% of the time we can choose, that means possibly 97% of the time we could be going rhino or at least a little bit more rhino see what we want and really go after it if only three days are bad mm. what 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 if what if we we twist it round then so that we can have a little bit more 97 rather than 97 and a little more having it for 97 rather than having it three percent of the time it's something to think about now okay that's that's something to think about how about how can we do it? Because it, it's all very well talking about emotional and attitudinal stuff, attitudinal stuff. But unless you've got something to hang your hat on, how can I go for it more if I'm feeling whatever? So I'm going to share with you a couple of things taught to me by top achievers, including these three circles. Cheeky little Venn diagram. It used to be just three circles, but recently I had a chat with a friend of mine who's a neuroscientist, and what she suggested is there's a fourth thing that actually drives the third circle. So you can see there's one bolted on here. The first one is how we think, our thoughts. Now, I totally understand and accept that people with quite severe mental or emotional challenges and ill health sometimes struggle to be in control of their thoughts but for the rest of us we control what we think so what well the the impact of your thinking the things you think the thoughts you have are colossal in your end outcomes let me explain how you think determines how you feel your emotions your feelings so if you think good things you tend to have better feelings you feel better if you tend to have quite horrible thoughts if your thinking is dark you tend to not feel great makes sense these feelings and interrupt anytime you want Paul. i've got some thoughts keep going <laughs> these feelings drive your actions and behaviors but the neuroscientist recently said that your feelings will determine the experiences you expose yourself to so I know, growing up, bit of a coward, would never have gone on anything particularly mad and adventurous, wouldn't have pushed myself physically. And then my, my sh thinking shifted. I wanted to feel, I felt in need of achievement. So then I pushed myself out of the comfort zone and started signing myself up for massive experiences, endurance treks, charity challenges, and doing all starting a business, writing a book. I started exposing myself to experiences that would stretch me rather than not having experiences at all. Thank you very much. I don't need it. I'm all right, Jack. But the good experiences made my actions, outputs, behaviours much much better these behaviors in turn drove better thinking the better thinking drove better feelings and emotions the better feelings and emotions made me want to experience more bigger better greater things those in turn changed my behavior and it was a positive cycle can i ask you to consider 
What are you a bit down on at the moment, is it? That's why I'm going to interrupt you. Go on then, go on. <laughs> because, you know, just linking in with what we've been talking about so far, and I know we'll talk about lots of other subjects, but because we've been talking about people, this model you've talked about, I really encourage everybody listening and watching to apply what David is saying here to your people. So how you think, first of all, about your people. So I often say to, to farmers, I'm speaking from stage, if you're saying my staff are rubbish, I can't get staff, you know, staff are just a nightmare, they're my biggest challenge, that I don't know how to handle them, all those thoughts are going to then create feelings of dread almost. Oh, I don't want to be dealing with these people issues, they're just yep. too much of a hassle. Actually, before we even get to the behaviour, your experience then with managing people is going to be I'm just not going to do it I'm not going to do those five minute chats it's just because I know it's all going to go they're going to ask me things I can't answer and they're going to behave in a way I don't really like so actually my behavior then will be well I'm not going to do anything at all whereas if we start to think people are my greatest asset if I start to think about how I can train them I'm going to immediately feel different about talking which is the experience and the behavior to my staff so you're absolutely right that in whether it's, you know, the weather, our staff, which the farmers love to talk about the weather, as you know, <laughs> it's, it's not going to rain next month. It's not going to rain next month. So we don't get out and, and, and do things in the fields. The way we think about our staff in particular, though, will affect our feelings about them, the experience that we then have with them and our future behavior. And I love the fact you talked about it being as a circle. It just then perpetuates. So often what happens is people say, you know what, I can't deal with staff. I'm just going to outsource it to somebody else and let somebody else worry about it. But if we can change that thought, that cycle, I guess you're saying, Dave, that it can be changed. So if we're in a circle, it can change. Five minutes a day, anything can change. Yeah. (laughs) So can we change our thoughts? though? How do we change our thoughts? it's It's about noticing what you notice. Right, okay. Most people aren't aware how negative their thoughts are. And I'm putting my hand up straight away here. My wife would say, people say, Dave, you're a motivational speaker. You must live in this fantastic, positive bubble in your house. You ask my wife, I'm a grumpy middle-aged man. <laughs> Sometimes we, all of us need to check what we're saying, what we're thinking, because the impact is colossal. You've, you've just given a great example of the positive impact of that cycle just getting better and better. Happy team, happy farm. Mm-hmm. Think that, eh? eh? Mm-hmm. But also, sadly, many of us, especially these days, know people who have allowed their thoughts perhaps to control their feelings in not such a good way. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they, they've either had bad experiences or not left the house and had any experiences at all. And their behaviours, actions and outcomes... I tend to be not good and because of that it reinforces the negative thinking the negative mm-hmm. thing and that's when we can get into deep emotional well-being issues and mental health issues and you, you talked before about a guy called Chris Akabusi who said to yes. don't look up to people but look into people look mm. into what they've done so how can a how could a farmer who's struggling and there's lots of farmers out there now that are struggling with the financial side of, of farming they're they're seeing the, the cost of their fertilizer and their feed go up they're seeing the price of their product go down how can we change because it's all very well to say let's just think positively but you can see how that could get into a cycle so what's your recommendation David about how we can change that thinking what do we need to do to change our thinking about something great great question Paul Uh, this comes back to an emotional intelligence question called work with what is true okay so what we first have to do is work with what's true and if you've 
if you're thinking something bad, give me give me a scenario on the farm that could cause a farmer to not feel good. It will be the, the milk price if I'm a livestock farmer, dairy farmer. The, the price has just gone down. Okay. So I'm now getting less for my product than I was before. Makes and sense. in some cases, actually, the price I'm, I'm selling my milk for is less than the cost of producing it. So I'm automatically making a loss. Tell me how I'm supposed to feel good about that, Mr. Heiner. Okay, well, what I would suggest in that situation is that you accept what is true in the situation. Right. What is true is that you're not getting enough for your milk. Mm-hmm. So you've got options. Now, some people don't... Nobody likes to be told, oh, you've got options when you're feeling grumpy because mm-hmm. you like to be, it's kind of self-pitying. We like yeah. to sit in this bubble of pity party, as mm-hmm. I call it. They're throwing a pity party. <laughs> and so nobody likes to be told you've got options, but haven't we always got options? You can sit in your bubble, moan about it, bring everyone else around you down and do nothing at all. Or how about you do something? You mentioned Chris Akabuse. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go and find a farm within your county, um, somewhere commutable, and do a Chris Akabusi. Go and find a farm where, I don't know, Julie and Steve are running their their dairy farm, and actually they're finding a way to Mm. either compensate for that loss of money or make the productivity and the yield better and increase the yield so that they earn more to make up for mm-hmm, that shortfall. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they've diversified, diversified or, exactly. or done something positive, productive, and don't just go and say, what did you do? Can I ask you to look at the top two circles? Go and ask them how they think and behaved. How did you think? How did you behave when that happened? And be honest with them. Just say... I think I might need some help because mm-hmm. I don't think I responded as good as I could have done to this situation. It appears you have. Is, is the first bit, and it, maybe this is what separates you know, exceptional achievers from those who achieve but struggle, is that is catching our thinking. So what can often happen is that, and particularly if you're a dairy farmer, the milk price fluctuating. You know, last year it was quite high, yet costs were high. And some farmers may have had a more successful year in 2022 than they're having in 2023. But it's very easy, isn't it, when costs go up, or our sales price goes down, to immediately go, well, you called it a pity party. you know. And I've seen, there are examples, I think we'd all agree as farmers sometimes, we can get together and go, woe is me, it's a nightmare, you know, don't they know what they're doing? The, gen- the general public don't want to pay enough for our products and the government are not supporting us enough. And we can get into that, uh, what you loosely called a pity party. So is the first thing to at least have this self-awareness to capture our thinking. And, th- and one of the questions I often have is, is this thinking helping or hindering me? Is it helping or hindering me? Yeah. Almost the start point. So is it going to help me resolve things to, to, to think the way I'm thinking? Or is it going to, is, is it hindering me? And actually, in many cases, when we get into that victim pity party mode, it's not helping us at all. It is hindering us. Because when, when our costs go up and prices go down, there is... An opportunity, I think, the seed of equal benefit in every adversity, or whatever yep. the phrase is. Yep. Is it the opportunity to, to look at diversification? Is it the, look, the opportunity to look at some land that we're not using effectively to maybe rent it out to somebody else? There will be solutions, and I would suspect that those who are at the top of their game, it's that thinking that's the difference. You know, the behaviour can be similar, but it's that if that initial thinking is right, there's a challenge here and I'm going to overcome it through creative thinking or go and finding somebody and say, 
Julian Steve, I think it was. <laughs> what was your thinking when you heard about the milk price drop or the fertilizer cost increase or the the the, 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 the I can't get hold of labour? What's your thinking? And certainly in my experience, when I meet farmers who are what I call the more progressive farmers, they are embracing change. Is this about change as well? Is this about it, it, managing change in terms of our totally, thoughts? To- totally. It's about managing change within the industry, on the farm, within your families and ourselves. And you're either resistant to it, in which case, mm-hmm. can I humbly suggest, the pace and relentlessness of change now is so fast mm-hmm. that if that's you, you're going to get run over standing still. So... Instead of embracing change, drive it. Mm. If you're in control of driving it, your thoughts are better, your feelings are better, you'll have better experiences, and the outcomes of your behaviours will be good. Mm. Wonderfully, going back to what you were saying, um, you know, it's, a, it's about noticing what you notice and having. how can you remind yourself. Well, we've got all these miracles of modern technology in our pockets. Why don't you set a timer to silently vibrate every hour on the hour And when it's in your pocket and you feel it vibrate, do two things. Firstly, go, because why wouldn't you? Second time. (laughs) I wonder what you were doing. (laughs) Rubbing his knee. Uh, Nothing to do with me, I can assure you, that level of vibration. Second thing, for the next five to ten minutes, check your thinking. Check your thinking. As Paul would say, you know, is this serving me? Is it taking me closer towards or further away from who I want to be? So, And so much of our thinking... As humans, I think, and partly it's our protective mechanism, it's our fight or flight response, will be looking to protect us. And actually, will, and therefore, a lot of our, our, our thinking in terms of expansion and growth actually hinders us, hinders us from that because we want to stay safe. We want things just to be as they were. And you know, managing change is maybe a whole subject we'll talk about on uh, on this this program at some point. Yeah. Because it is, you know, how we manage change does begin with our thinking very true in fact almost is there anything that doesn't begin with our thinking i can't i can't think I, of anything that doesn't begin with thinking the people who taught me this said you know you, well even albert einstein says mm. you know everything ever invented first started with a good idea yeah yeah you know, how, how we think determines everything and i always remember um a, a person that you and i both know very well someone called peter thompson uh one of my very first sort of who i legend, followed for yeah. the legend that is peter thompson exactly he used this phrase what you think about comes about <laughs> and i've never forgotten it you know, yeah lots of peter's work i remember still um and doubt they'll listen to this but if you did peter thank you for that but he says what you think about comes about and it's such a good reminder that if we have to stop ourselves just pause i love the idea of the vibrating phone just to give you a reminder right what am i thinking right now is my thinking helping me or hindering me and that can just be those little checks during the day which then has this circle doesn't it of, yeah. of it has a genuine impact yeah if we think and it's not just about as you said sort of being very uh, Pollyanna and everything's perfect and yeah, positive thinking. It's You said you were a realist. Yeah. And it's about sometimes noticing what you notice again is actually, is this real or am I just imagining this? You know, is this problem I'm seeing in front of me actually a problem <laughs> or is it just something I'm imagining? And reinforcing what you said earlier, which is once, once you say, is this real? Well, if it is real, accept it. Yeah, acceptance. Accept it. Well, that, okay, that's true. What can I do about it? Rather than, oh, this is all rubbish. Mm. I might as well just sulk then. And go down yeah. the pub and moan with everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Let, 
Let me give you a, a terrific... E- I wasn't going to share this example until I talked about goal setting in a later episode, but I think it's a great thought. I spoke twice for um, an, another organisation of s- people who farm the soil without ploughing. And they... Uh, the first time I sort of taught them how to set and achieve big goals and some of them went off all full of full of excitement and one guy came up to me and he says I want to win the British Ploughing Championships I thought wow there's a hobby yeah that's very very farming niche goal <laughs> but okay great and he says but oh, it, oh and he was a bit oh, and his thoughts weren't exactly oh. he says but this is it I'm going for it I went awesome so he went rhino I'll be honest, I didn't think much about that goal <laughs> uh, for the following three or four years. Then last year I spoke at the same event and this guy came up to me and says, you won't remember me, my name's Peter. I went, uh, he went, plowing championships? I went, oh, right. And he got out some photographs that I'm going to share with you now. This is Peter Alderslade. Peter Alderslade set a goal to be British ploughing champion. He not only smashed that goal, he then entered the World Ploughing Championships and came forth using somebody else's tractor. (laughs) Now, how cool is that? I know nothing about ploughing, but that is one call. And I was asking him, what worked? He went, oh, it was that thing you taught me about setting big goals. And I went, okay, how did you think? And what was and what what did you how what were you thinking how did you how did you feel what was it you did and he stopped and he went awkwardly silent and you know when people either look up or to the side and you could you could almost hear their cogs whirring and he said I just had to change my mindset <laughs> I really because <laughs> I hadn't t- I hadn't shown him these three circles or four circles three as it was then he said. He said, I changed my thinking and it really changed. He gave me the confidence. Feeling. Feeling. Yeah. And, and he said, and then I, st- I just started behaving differently in the tractor cab. So, hello. <laughs> That's a great example of someone not only who did set a big goal and achieve it, which we'll talk about in a later episode, but God bless him, Peter. He thought a bit differently. He gave him more confidence, certainty, conviction, and that made his behaviours more effective. This stuff leaves clues. Question is, are you going to take those clues? Or is this something that you're just sitting listening to in the cab or watching with your feet up on the kitchen table back at the farm? What is it you're going to do? What is it you're going to do? We're fast running out of time Mm -hmm. again, Paul. Um, Is there a closing statement or remark you'd like to make about anything we've done today? I think almost the way we've ended encapsulates almost everything we've talked about in these two first two episodes which Mm. is the way we think about situations about people about challenges that we have will affect how we feel about it first of all and I think it's really important that we we capture and recognize where feeling sits in because often we say I don't feel feelings for for wussies you know it's feelings don't need feelings whereas actually we all recognize so we're not talking about feelings here in terms of a sort of an emotional fluffy sense we're talking about just recognizing how the brain works that the thought first of all changes our emotional state and then that will then affect how we experience things and behave 
And it's that thought about how do we think about people? How do we think about uh, our team? How do we talk about them? How do we how do we how do we admit, how do we express what we're thinking? Because that's going to affect how we feel. And, and then the point about the challenges that we know the industry is facing right now: lack of labour, lack of available labour. There's no labour out there, David. There's no labour out there, there. Well, if that's what we think, that's what will come about for us. Was actually, I often say to people, there's loads of labour available. You just haven't yet attracted it to your industry and your farm. There's people out there prepared to work. Yeah, we've got low levels of unemployment, so there's plenty of people out there. It's competitive, but if we change the way we think, yeah. And that's going to change the way we feel about a situation. Uh, and again, for anything that we're facing right now in our, in our farming communities, in our farming industry, these three circles with a little sausage on the right-hand side there, uh, I think is huge as a summary almost to encapsulate what we've spoken about. And from your section, I think what I took was the real measurable outcomes positive and negative of using or not using Vita in the workplace with your team, the impact it can have on individuals and therefore the productivity on the farm, therefore the money in your account mm. and the time you can spend with your family and the level of stress you're experiencing. Massive outcomes from very simple, simple, simple steps. Yeah. So my little chickens, farming analogy, uh, what, what is it you're going to do differently? Remember, Paul and I are all about impact mm-hmm. rather than applause. So same again. What is it you've got to start doing as a result of this podcast today? What is it you've got to stop doing because it's no longer serving you, your team, your family or your farm? What is it you're going to keep doing because you're already doing it really, really well? Do those three things and we'll see you on the next episode. See you then. See you then. Thank <laughs> you.